On today's Locked On Jayhawks, the Kansas bench has arrived as they take down Kansas State by double digits in a top 10 showdown. You are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 o'clock on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day, free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. On today's edition of the show, we're going to be breaking down the KU 12-point victory, 90-78 to over Kansas State last night. Top 10 showdown in Allen Fieldhouse, getting a, a win back for the loss in overtime in Manhattan two weeks ago from yesterday and it was a pretty eventful game when you look at the contributions from the bench the contributions from Dewan harris kevin mcculler so we'll talk all about it get to our goats of the game and uh then finish things up here on this edition of locked on jayhawks but first this episode is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more visit fanduel.com locked on today to get started so we start with this. Kansas takes down Kansas State. Battle of top 10 teams. Kansas came in ranked eighth in the country. Kansas State at number seven. They win 90 to 78. The spread was like eight points, eight and a half, depending when you got it on FanDuel. And, you know, that always seems like a big line whenever you do that in the Big 12. And I still have that as my philosophy, where if I see a line in the Big 12, like three possessions or more, so seven or more, I'm just firing the underdog. And for the most part, it does work. But last night, not one of those cases when maybe you wouldn't totally expect it in a top 10 matchup. Um, Very important victory, I guess, first of all, for Kansas. You're talking about a game where, you know, you're a game back of Kansas State. They'd already beat you once. And if you lose the game, at that point, you'd be 5-4 and in Big 12 play. Texas and Kansas State would, at that point, be tied for first at 7-2. and You'd be two back, which... You know, they were two back in 2011 with like four or five games to go, and they ended up winning the conference outright. So you never really stick a fork in them till I guess it's officially over or like maybe till you get to the final two weeks of the season. And then it's like, oh, no, we're, you know, you're two games back with four games to go. Like that point is, yeah, sure, kind of panic time in that regard for um, winning the Big 12. So even if they lost last night, I don't think it was totally done like, you know, what if you lost last night and then beat Iowa State and then beat Texas? Like, you'd be right back in it, right? But realistically, in the path to winning the Big 12, this was the most suitable path toward doing it, right? It's like Doctor Strange in, in Endgame. It's like, you know, uh, there was one way. And it's like, it feels like this kind of was the way. Like, beat Kansas State, puts you tied for second with four other teams in the Big 12. You're now one game behind Texas, who you play next week. Um, very, very important victory to make your easiest step to trying to get in front of the big 12 and staying up atop in the conference standings. But above that, it's a win over your in-state rival in Kansas state who beat you a couple of weeks ago. It was important to get this win um, both in terms of having another resume boosting win. And in terms of being able to take down a team who already beat you. So you don't want to have that sweep. And also, you know, just getting those in-state bragging rights kind of back. Um, but just having a game that you didn't have to sweat out at the very end. How many games have we seen for KU that's been the case, that you've had to sweat out for the final minute, final two minutes of the game in Big 12 play? Like every game in Big 12 play, 
played in Allen Fieldhouse. They've had to sweat out. Didn't have to do that against, I think, your highest-ranked opponent that you've played coming in in Big 12 play. So that was nice on its own as well that you didn't really have to sweat it out. I mean, Kansas State gets down to like nine with like two and a half minutes to go, and it's like, okay, just, you know, you can't totally sit on it. You still got to make a, a play to kind of finish things off here. But realistically, you should be okay, and, and they ended up being more than fine. So uh, pretty good there. Now, overall, for KU, pretty darn good defense. Um, I think anytime you score 90, like the first thought is going to be a, what did the offense do? Sometimes when the game is played at a higher tempo, which it was, you don't really realize how good a defense are playing because on a given night, if you say, well, Kansas gave up 78, you're not necessarily going to think they had a great defensive game, but kind of did. Um, the game was just played at a high tempo. And so you ended up with a situation where both teams put up a lot of points and obviously the 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 fouls on every team like every time down the court lots of free throws slowed the game down and and made it so that you could have a higher score both ways but you held them to 34 percent from the field you'll take that each and every game the first game against kansas state they did hit some pretty crazy threes like the desi sills ones come to mind but you did also give them a lot of open threes especially in the early going of that game very less wide open threes in this game it felt like a majority of uh, of their three-point attempts were step back 25 foot three pointers that were contested. And it's like, yeah, Marquise Noel's going to hit one or two of those. Of course he is. Like he's a good enough player to do so. But over the long haul, if they keep doing that, the majority are not going to go in. And I think that's what you saw last night. Three point defense was better. Two point defense was better. Overall defense was better. Um, yelled them to three less offensive rebounds or, or two less than they had in the first game. You, um, did a good job with the possession game. You you got 13 offensive rebounds. You avoided turnovers. You only had nine of them after you had 15 in the first game. Basically, if you view it as the extra possessions, like how many less turnovers did we have than them? How many more offensive rebounds did we have than them? You basically were plus eight in possessions. That's very impactful. Any game. You win by 12. That's a big reason why. Um, certainly a clunky game overall. 71 free throws combined for the two teams 47 fouls um it wasn't like a i i don't think one team was like favored by the whistle or anything like that it was just right down the middle like one team had 24 fouls one had 23 k-state i think had 36 free throw attempts ku at 35 it just was a gross game in that regard and the second half came to a screeching halt um by just everything being a foul on both teams so that made it a little less uh fun to watch but that was the same way it was in k-state remember like in manhattan the second half came to the same thing but i think more than anything this game was further proof about how when dewan harris and kevin mcculler can score you're pretty unstoppable like look back to a lot of ku's games where they've blown out really good opponents like the indiana game seton hall missouri game all those games kevin mcculler and dewan harris were giving you some sort of scoring punch. In Dewan's case, some of those games, it might only be six to eight points, but certainly more than the the kind of three or four game lull he had where he was only averaging a point and a half. Um, but with Kevin specifically, when he's been able to score, that's when they've had their, their biggest games and their biggest blowouts, which once again becomes the case here. And I think it's also further proof that when you get bench production, you're an elite team. Kansas has a really good starting lineup. I know they went through uh, some ruts in, in that three-game losing streak, like Dewan was struggling. KJ had a couple struggling games. Kevin was struggling with the shot. But over the long haul, KU's starting five is very good. 
can you just get something from the bench? And again, it doesn't even have to be, you know, four or five guys deep. Can just two guys off the bench contribute night in, night out? Last night, you saw more than that. Bobby Pettiford was really good off the bench. Ernest Duday, really good off the bench, even despite the foul trouble. Zach Clements was really good off the bench. So that's three guys right there. Joe Yasifu came off the bench and had some solid contributions as well. You know, it wasn't a great game for Joe, but it was solid enough. So really, you had three or four guys off the bench who contributed well. As many bench points as you've had in a Big 12 game this year, and boom, look at that. You win by 12 against a top 10 team. Um, so that's why in a game where the opposition shoots 36 free throws, which, again, you shot 35, so I'm not you know saying anything, but they shot 86% on 36 free throws. That's a really good number. Usually if a team does that, they're going to be hanging around in the game. They might win the game, which won by 12 points against a top 10 opponent because of the bench production and because of what you got offensively from Dwan Harrison, Kevin McCuller, even though like Grady Dick didn't have a, a huge off the game. And now this is back-to-back -back offensive games where Grady Dick hasn't really gotten the shot going, hasn't really gotten the offense going, but you're still beating good opponents because of how important it is for those other things as well. All right, we're going to get on to our goats of the game, our good goats, our bad goats. Just a second here. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at Super Bowl parties is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America with FanDuel. And if you're new, that's even better. They have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easy. It's the, the best interface of any of the sports betting apps, in my opinion, here in the state of Kansas. Super easy to track all your games. Super easy to track all your like same-game parlays. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line, point spreads, to who will score a touchdown. Last night, they had uh, boosts on the game. They had a boost for the KU uh, K-State game. It was Jalen Wilson to score 15-plus points. He had 20. It was Keontae Johnson for Kansas State to score 15-plus points. They get 22. It was plus 120. Easy hit. It was plus 120 to, to get free money. I mean, come on. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app now. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, um, you can get paid for your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook of the NFL. Disclaimer in the description page below. On to of the game here with Locked On Jayhawks. We'll start with our Good Goats reminder of this segment. If you're new to the show, Good Goats is the greatest of all time, right? Um, so we have our Good Goats of the game, you know, 15, 10, 20 years ago. We used to say the word goat if you were bad, like if you messed up the game. Like I always remember that was applied to Steve Bartman for the Cubs. Like he was the goat for them, which poor guy. I feel bad that he had to go through that. But nonetheless, um, that's our good goats. That's our bad goats. So good goat here. First off, Dewan Harris, 18 points. He was seven or 12 from the floor. He just hit a bunch of big closing shots for you. That late layup to kind of seal it away. Uh, two of six from three point range, which, you know, 33% for three isn't a number that blows you away, but it's, it's the idea that he's, he's making a defense come out to guard him and making the defense continually be aware that this guy could pull this shot. And if you go two of six every game for Dewan, I would take that. You know, you're going to have some outlier games, too, where he maybe goes three for three or, you know, maybe don't expect quite the Texas Tech game. But I think you take that because of the gravity it brings to the defense and, and makes them think that, no, we do have to guard this guy as if he is an aggressive score. 
he had just two assists. It was more a game about him scoring, but he had just one turnover. And in a game that Kansas had nine turnovers, he was a big reason why. That's a Kansas State team that's pretty good at forcing steals. He had 15 in the first go-round. He was big in this one. He also had a block. Um, And then his defense. You know, the way that he defended Marquise Noel, it wasn't always him, like, when he checks out of the game or uh, sometimes switches Noel would be put on Jalen Wilson or Grady Dick or whoever. But a majority of the time, Dewan Harris was on Marquise Noel. And you might look at this, the scoreboard and go, oh, Marquise Noel had 23 points. Like, how great of a job did he do defensively? Marquise Noel went 5 of 18, which, not a good percentage, and he had five turnovers. If you would have said coming in the game that was going to be his line, you'd take that in a heartbeat. So in the two games that they've gone up against each other, again, it's not always been Dewan on Noel, but he has 27 points in the two games combined, has good amount of turnovers, hasn't been super efficient from the floor. Good job to Dewan. Another good goat for Kevin McCuller. He had 16 points, 13 rebounds, another double-double for him, four assists, two steals, one block. He has 12, 12, 13 rebounds over the last three games. He's been KU's leading rebounder in all three games. He's also been KU's leader in assists in two of the three um, and really good scoring game as well. I'm going to make a definitive statement here. I was shocked when I looked at this number at the end of the game because I, I didn't remember missing this many, him missing this many shots just because of how the impact he was having. And some of the defensive plays, like there was one where Marquise Noel slithered into the lane of the defense and got like two defenders on him and tried to dump it off to a big man. And Kevin McCuller was like the weak side defender, read it the whole way, jumped it, intercepted it, led to a fast break for, for KU and some points. But I, the definitive statement here, greatest two for 10 game in Bill South history. I don't have the list in front of me of other two for 10 games. Maybe there's another one that's better. I'm just going to make that a uh, dumb declarative statement right now because he went two for 10, which like is not good at all. 16 points, 13 steals block. He was objectively great against Kansas State. Greatest two for 10 game ever. Um, him fouling out, by the way, back-to-back games against Kansas State, but this time wasn't as huge of a deal. The bench gets a good go. Lumping this all together. 19 points from the bench. You're most in a Big 12 game. Zach Clements had five points, three rebounds. How about three blocks from Zach Clements? Two steals, too and an assist. So the one thing that's kind of been hurting him is his defense. He was great defensively against Kansas State. Uh, Ernest Uday, three points, six rebounds, three blocks, and a steal. He had foul trouble, but he was really good for you. And, and honestly, if your backup big fouls out, it's not the worst thing in the world. That means they're playing aggressively. And again, they're your backup big. And if Clements can be that good as your third big man too, then it's really not a big deal. Um, but Bobby Pettiford, too, was really good. Six points, four rebounds, one assist. You haven't seen him looking for his shot recently, and that's a problem. Kansas needs him to. It doesn't mean he has to shoot a bunch of threes, but he has to at least attack closeouts, shoot that teardrop that we know he's good at, shoot that reverse layup that we saw him hit that we know he's good at. And he just immediately on that reverse layup that he hit for his first point, he immediately caught the ball and just ran. He was going for his shot. That's the aggressiveness you need from Bobby. When he looks like that, he's a really impactful player. When he doesn't, it's just like, well, what are you doing out here? But that game was good, Bobby, and it helped the bench. Joe had five points, one assist, one steal. Not a super standout game for Joe, but you know, contributed to the bench scoring. It wasn't just a you know zero points and one assist, one turnover game. Um, so tack it all up with the guards specifically. Basically, your bench guard with Joe and Bobby, 27 minutes, 11 points, four rebounds, two assists. That'll play. 
uh, center position gets a good goat, and this goes back to the bench. So KJ Adams was in foul trouble all game. Ernest Duday was in foul trouble. But total it up, and the three KU centers with KJ, Ernest, and Zach combined for 16 points, 12 rebounds, seven blocks, two assists, three steals, and they went 7-11 from the floor. Great center game. Now, I know there's not all of KJ's minutes at the center. Like, you played a few lineups with KJ next to Zach and KJ next to Ernest. Um, And to be clear, like, if next season, you know, Jalen Wilson's gone, what if KJ does move to the four? And what if you do need, like, a Zach Clements spacer at the five? I thought that was interesting that they went out with that lineup for a few minutes there. So uh, I don't know how much it'll matter for this year, but maybe for the future. But um, for the most part, centers were great for Kansas, and and that was a huge game for you. Now, I do have, uh, we, we don't do this very often, but limbo for the good goats and bad goats, like neither good nor bad. I actually didn't have Jalen in the good goats this game. Like he was, he was good. I thought, but 20 points, eight rebounds, four assists, counting stats certainly deserve to be up there. He was just five of 15 had kind of trouble shooting specifically from two point range, which you don't see all the time. Just one of six on twos. He also had five turnovers. Okay. He was a team had nine. So he had five. The rest of the team had four. I just couldn't put it on good goat for that level, but overall he still had a positive impact and he is still on a tear, like 20 points every game now. Grady Dick was in limbo. I, I didn't quite want to put him on bad. Like, he just went two of eight. He only had nine points. He had foul trouble. But I honestly didn't really think he was a problem. I didn't think he had a bad game. He just had some fouls, and the shot just wasn't really falling for him. Certainly, the K-State games won't be remembered for fondly for him, for his sharpshooting. Um, but I didn't quite put him in bad. I didn't think he had a bad game. It just wasn't a good game either. So that's why both of them end up kind of in uh, limbo. I don't have any bads. I don't have any bad goats. You, you beat a top 10 team at home by 12 points. Sorry. I I mean, the bench played well. Juan and Kevin played well. I mean, I guess you could be like, well, KJ and Grady had slower games and they didn't have great games and they had foul trouble. Okay, sure. But I don't think either one of them played bad, so I'm not going to put them there. Okay, we'll uh, finish up looking around the Big 12, catching up what's going on right now. First, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holiday season, and you know your goal is to eat a little healthier. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. They're so delicious you won't think they're good for you. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution or just in general. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, uh, coconut almond. I'm not sure how built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't have to wait for a box. You can still order them at built.com, but you can also head to your nearest Walmart or Sam's club, pick up a four bar box at Walmart with like cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, or get a 13 bar box at Sam's club brownie batter, churro, whatever you like. You can thank me later with Built Bar. Finishing things up, looking around the Big 12, Texas now sitting alone in first. They went 7-2. and two. We're through the halfway point of Big 12 play, and then you got four teams tied for second at 6-3. and three. Kansas is a part of that lumping. Uh, then you have Baylor right behind those at 5-4. and four. Those are the six teams competing for the conference title. The other four teams, 
are still good teams and can beat any of those top six teams with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, um, and then uh, West Virginia and Texas Tech. Like we saw that with Oklahoma blowing out Alabama. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports on Rock Truck Sports Talk yesterday brought up a ridiculous stat that Oklahoma beat Alabama by more than they had beaten any team this season. Their, their, their largest margin of victory prior to the Alabama game was UMKC. They beat Alabama by more. So that just shows how ridiculous this conference is. But more competing for just, you know, will one of them, will two of them maybe get a bid to the NCAA tournament? The top six are competing for the conference title, and they're competing for high seeds in the NCAA tournament. Um, so this weekend and this really next week, the next two game slates, very, very important and going to be a big swing two games. Texas goes on the road at K-State on Saturday. So if Texas wins that game, that's a huge leg up for them in the Big 12 title race. And it probably pushes K-State to being in a very tough position. Flip side, though, K-State wins that game. Now, all of a sudden, they have the same record once again as Texas, and they swept them. It completely opens things up for these other teams, too. KU goes to Iowa State. So that's an opportunity for the winner of that to either be a game behind Texas or tied for first in the Big 12 if they win. Then the following game for both Kansas and Texas is against each other in Allen Fieldhouse on Big Monday. So these next two games have about as big of a swing on the Big 12 title race as any. Because if you're Kansas, if you lose at Iowa State and you lose to Texas at home and then Texas beats K-State on the road and beats you and Allen Fieldhouse, now all of a sudden you're down three games. Kansas has never overcome a three-game deficit to win the Big 12. They've overcome two, never overcome three, at least in Bill Self's time. Um, so, you know, that would certainly be a monumental. I don't expect them to lose both games, though. If they split, then you're kind of dependent on, well, does Kansas State beat Texas? Because if you split, then you're only a game back if they lose. But if Texas beats K-State and you split, now you're down two games. That's a little bit worrisome there. Um, if you win both, which is the most positive outcome here, then all of a sudden now Big 12 is totally in your control again. You control your own destiny at that point. So this is going to completely swing how things go. And certainly there are other teams in on it with TCU and Baylor that could still sneak back in. But if you're Kansas, opportunities in front of you right now. Go take advantage of it. Um, and I think at this point, 13 feels like it probably gets it done. Ken Palm has Texas winning it with 12. That would mean they finish five and four down the stretch. To me, 13 feels like it gets it done outright. 12 gives you a shot at sharing but if texas wins at k-state saturday maybe that's one you expect them to lose maybe it's back up to 13 to 14 either way big opportunities in front of kansas all right that's gonna do it for this episode of locked on jayhawks we're gonna uh, be back on tomorrow's show and we're going to uh break down the national signing day for kansas football lance leipold meeting with the media on wednesday so we'll discuss that and, and all the players they've signed and kind of go through that all the way through here with Locked on Jayhawks. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube. We'll be back tomorrow, and you, you can check me at Wealth Truck Sports Talk later today. Till then, have a good rest of your day. Bye.